Yunmen's Your Words Fame. A monk asked Yunmen about the poem. The brilliant and quiescent luminosity pervaded, pervades everywhere, like sands in the Ganges. Before his sentence was finished, Yunmen interrupted. Are these not the words of the scholar Zhang Zhuo? The monk replied, yes. Yunmen said, failed. Later, Sixin picked this case up. How did the monk's words fail? Woman's comment. In this case, you can perceive the workings of Yunmen, singling out and placing the monk in peril and understand why the monk's words have failed then you are fit to be a teacher of humans and gods. If you are not clear about this, then you cannot even save yourself. Dropping a fish hook into a gushing stream, the greedy fish gets caught. As soon as it opens its mouth, life is lost. And now we write for five. Do we meditate first, Kim, and then write? Yes. Okay, we meditate for five minutes. Anyone like to share their thoughts on this, what they, they're writing? Well, I'm always glad to. All right. So with many um, koans, they're difficult because they're so obvious. And this one is, you have to use your own words when you interpret a poem to me. So it's like an Aesop fable, you know, and then there's no more to it. So, so then I start questioning what more is there to it? And the greedy, not that I have the answer, but the greedy, the greedy fish is the guy who, who doesn't experience life itself, but finds some other, some other reading of it. Like the poet means this because the scholar means this, which goes to the Theravadan, um, deal of scripture as opposed to Zen. You know, that something isn't right just because a great person said it. That's not the way to, that's not what we should listen to. Uh, you need to live the poem. Mm -hmm. And I'm not exactly sure about the reference to, well, I'm not sure at all about anything, but the reference to, um, like the sands in the Ganges, we've we've heard that expression a lot, as kind of indicating um, something uncountable, unlimited, without limits, beyond our imagination, pervades everywhere. It just like ups the ante. Of pervades everywhere could be, and then there's the sands of the Ganges, which is even greater than everywhere. There's so many. Okay, so who's going to straighten me out? How is this difficult? Mm. Well, because there's always a twist, we find. <laughs> That's yes. My, mine was similar to, to yours in the sense of failed because they're not your words. Um, not your experience um 
and there's nothing as we've we learned from the flower and all of the beautiful art that you've created around um buddha held up the flower that they're you know they're for all the languages that are that exist or to exist there just are no words that can hold some the what is the isness of a moment and, and and i the fish you know the greedy fish I, yes the scholars for sure but i think all of us do this i do i don't want to put it on anyone else I, I i constantly try to cling as i'm doing right now actually to some other to an other to hold on to the isness something a poem a piece of art um words um and in the process the whole isness of something gets lost. Yeah, so you suggested something to me that no words would have done this. Mm-hmm. And, and Robert Frost said something really neat. He said, he was asked to explain a poem and he said, do you want me to tell you an other and worse language? <laughs> so it's kind of, I think that's, that's important too, that it's not even that he used someone else's words, but that he tried to, to simulate life with words. I'm so grateful for my son because every time someone asks me to talk about him, he teaches me about my practice. I can't come up with words. And that's what this practice and life in the moment is sometimes. There just aren't words. Anyway, that was, I, and I, I may be completely wrong. Google's going to tell me. <laughs> Anyone else? I was wondering um, well, I do not know, but I was wondering whether uh, it was well, it, it says here that the fish was greedy. But maybe if, the, if it was a, a gushing stream, there probably wasn't any, any food for the fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, good point, Trouty. Any, you said any food for the fish? Yes. It was gushing. It, it just was going very fast. So there probably would not be any smaller fish or and actually, when I read the line, the first line, the fish hook in the gushing stream, I thought it was about a futile action. Because usually you, I mean, I, I never fished, so I do not know, but I imagine that uh, <clears throat> you would not go fishing in a gushing stream. Anyway. <laughs> some objections with the poem, obviously. Uh, Who dropped the fish hook? So could we say that that the monk um, dropped the fish hook saying, tell me about the poem? And when you're gushing, uh, when you're gushing, you're like, you have the like that, 
na nativity, na naiveness of a youth, mm. not centered. Mm. He's overzealous. Anyway, Donna, straighten us out. Come on. Um, well, I can't, but um, perhaps the gushing stream is Yun Min, you know, with this very active. Um, yeah, that's what I meant. Love. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I think we're all kind of on the same page about, um, you know, the, the monk trying to use words that were not his own, were not from his own experience. Um, so I guess we should see what Guo <laughs> has to say yeah. about it. <laughs> All right. So do you want to proceed as we usually, you first, Donna, then Trouty, and so on alphabetically? Does that, does that work for everyone? Sure. Okay. Guogu's comment. This case is very clear. A flashlight is useless in broad daylight. A lit candle does not need to be lit. Do you understand? If you are going to use a flashlight, use it only when it's needed. Otherwise, you'll you're just going to waste the battery. Moreover, use your own flashlight. Don't borrow someone else's. In this story, not only has the monk failed, but Chan Master Yunmen, Wen Yan, also failed. The monk begins his question by citing Zhang Zhuo's circa 9th century poem of awakening. But as soon as he gets done with the first line, Yunmen shines the flashlight on him, gives him a teaching. Too bad. The light shines in broad daylight, but the monk misses it and still thinks he's in the dark. Mistake. This is like humming a beautiful melody to a dead horse. The horse can't appreciate it. When the monk admits that he borrowed the flashlight from someone else, Yunman says, failed. He shines his flashlight again, hoping the monk will open his dharma eye. Too compassionate. His second flashlight signal was also not picked up. Chan master Sixin Wuxin, then 1,043 to 1116, comes along a couple of centuries later and picks up Yung old flashlight. Out of kindness, he asks, how did the monk's words fail? How will you respond? Please don't waste batteries anymore. Someone <laughs> say something. <laughs> it's almost cute. <laughs> I think it's Kim, is it? Yeah. yeah. Human, whom you first met in case 15, Dongshin's first round, three rounds of blows, <coughs> was a great Chan master known for his first teachings. He had the fortune of having more than 60 Dharma successors. 
several of his descendants appeared in the gateless barrier. But here he is simply wasting the batteries of his flashlight. The monk, like any practitioner, cites an important cue for practice. In his case, it is, was a popular poem uttered by the liter, literus Zhang Zhu, an educated elite, upon his awakening. We don't have Zhang's <coughs> exact date, but he lived sometime in the ninth century during the Tang Dynasty. We know this through his teacher's date, Shiz Huang Zin Zhu, 807-88. Zhang Zhu's life was quite interesting. He was a sweet guy, a first high scholar in the medieval China, in pre-modern China. No one, anyone who inspired to have an official post could have to climb up the ladder of bureaucratic success by being trained and examined in the Confucian classes. There are three levels of civil service examination. Haoti, which gets you the Suikai degree, perhaps the, backward, the equivalent in modern times to a bachelor's degree. Provincial, which gets you a Churan degree, which is like a master's degree, and the highest Jinshi degree comparable to a PhD. To a PhD, the examination for which takes place in the capital. So Zhang Zhu was at the first high. He did not get much involved with the bureaucracy, but was high enough in rank to be exempt by from paying taxes. This benefit applied to his whole family as well because they had produced a little literatus a scholar who worked for the local government. Zhang Shou studied with many Chan masters. One day he asked Shitang Shishang, a great disciple of Masu, are there mountains and rivers and the great are there mountains and rivers and the great earth? Are there Buddhas of the past, present, and future? Ji Tang replied, yes. Zhang Shu, a seasoned Chan practitioner, replied, wrong. The Chan master asked, and why am I wrong? Zhang Shu replied, every time I asked my previous master this question, he would only answer no. Yes in Chinese is yo, and no is wu. Wu has various shades of meaning, absent, lacking, not existing, empty. This is the same character as in Chao Shu's reply to whether or not dogs have Buddha nature. Ah. So Zhang Shu said to Ji Tang, that's why I say your answer is wrong. Shi Tang smiled. For your master, the answer is Wu, but for you, it is Yo. Zhang Zhu asked, Why is that? Shi Tang asked, Is your master married? Wu. Does he have children? Wu. How about you? Do you have kids? Yo. Are you married? Yo, replied Zhang Zhou. Shi Tang said, That's why for you, it is Yo, but for your master, it is Wu. Mm -hmm. 
because the causes and conditions were not fully right, uh, Zhang Zhu did not feel a strong connection with Zhitong's teaching. So he went on his way. Zhitong simply re reflected the state of the student. When the student has attachment, yo, yes, everything exists. If you have no attachments, then it is Wu. There is nothing for you to learn. But Zhang Zhu, um, Zhang Zhu was not satisfied, so he moved on and continued his practice elsewhere. He then met his master, Shi Shuang, from whom he received affirmation of his awakening. Shi Shuang's response was quick as lightning. Zhang's given name is Zhuo, which means obstruction or obscure. Imagine naming child, your child that. When they met, Shi Shuang asked him, who are you? Zhang Zhuo. Who? Zhang Zhuo. That which you seek cannot be obtained. Where is this obstruction? Upon hearing this, Zhang realized great awakening. Shi Shuang struck something very intimate in Zhang Zhu's because all of his life he had been called Zhu. What a wonderful immediate <coughs> spontaneous response. As it was quite rare for a lay practitioner at that time to reach such an understanding, he became well known in Chan circles. People began to memorize and recite his poem, just like the monk in this case. Here is his poem in its entirety. The brilliant and quiescent luminosity pervades everywhere, like sands in the Ganges. Both the ordinary and the holy are endowed with the essence in my abode. When a single thought is not poor, <coughs> the essence is completely revealed. With the slightest stirring of the six senses, this essence is blocked like clouds. To cut off vexations is to increase your illness. To aspire toward true suchness itself is an error. Simply adapt to worldly conditions without obstructions. Nirvana, birth and death, flowers in the sky. Such a nice poem, truly equipped, eloquent, truly eloquent. This is what happens when scholars become awakened. They describe things so beautifully. A blank piece of paper can be described as a golden leaf. The first two lines depict the truth that one is awakened. Buddhist scriptures often make reference to the Ganges River. It is used to describe the innumerable countless teachings that adapt to uncountable living beings, as numerous as the grounds of, of sun in the Ganges, as radiant and luminous. On the grounds of sun represent you and the many sentient beings of different shapes, sizes, and karmic dispositions. Each and every ground of sun, each and every sentient being shines brilliantly, radiating its intrusive 
luminosity. The next four lines describe the process of degeneration. Our awakened nature is covered by diluted thought. Diluted thought arises from attachment to our senses. When it arises, there is grasping and rejecting. The last two lines show how one should practice. Be normal, down to earth. Come to an accord with conditions without injecting something that's not there. For example, the self, like flowers in the sky. To put this in perspective, we all borrow from the scriptures and the words of great Chan masters of the past. Buddhists are encouraged to read and study them. That's how we develop correct views on how to practice. This would be like someone asking me, teacher, form is emptiness. Emptiness is stop. Aren't these the words from the Heart Sutra? Yes, fail. That's what's happening in this case. The words of the lay practitioner Shang Shou were as well known as those of the Heart Sutra are in Chan circles. Yunmen is not saying that you should not read or recite scriptures or the words of the enlightened. He himself often quoted other Chan masters. Nor is he saying that Zhang Zhou's answer, yes, was somehow wrong. Had he said, no, these are not his words, that would have been wrong too. What does this mean? After all, Chan master Sishin recited Yun Min's words and asked you what they mean. Is he wrong too? Sishin's name is great. Sishin means bring to death the mind. Wushin means to awake to the new. Putting the characters together, the name Sishin Wushin means bringing the mind to death so you can awaken to the new. In Chan, there is a saying, only by dying the great death will you live the great life. Yunmin's fail was very famous. So woman's drawing a connection to Sishin Wujin is itself a hint for practitioners. Woman's comment. If in this case you can perceive the workings of Yunmin, singling out and placing the monk in peril, and understand why the monk words have failed, then you are fit to be a teacher of humans and gods. If you are not clear about this, then you cannot even save yourself. If you are able to intimate young man's mind, then you can be the teacher of gods and men, which is one of the epithets of a Buddha discussed in case 30. The key is placing the monk in peril. How? Bring the mind to death so you can awaken to the new. What is this mind? It is the mind of vexations, the mind of fabricates, constructs, labels, and discriminates based on your ideas of gain and loss, good and bad, benefit and disadvantage. Yes and no, yo and wu, having and not having. If you can bring the mind to death, you will come alive and be a Buddha, no longer pegged down to one of the realms in the cyclical existence of samsara, 
Not even gods will have anything on you. However, if you cannot die a great death, but perpetuate your mind of vexations, then save yourself from the real peril of samsara. Dropping a fish hook into a gushing stream, the greedy fish gets caught. As soon as it opens its mouth, life is lost. These lines are something that cannot be fathomed by concepts and ideas. Anything you come up with is like the greedy fish that goes for the hook. As soon as you open your mouth, you're gone. Even if you remain silent, <coughs> you will have failed because keeping your mouth shut is still a response from thinking or reasoning mind. How often do you depend on your mind of vexations to deal with life's problems? Aren't you living in this gushing stream of rising and falling, having and not having, succeeding and failing? Everything that you do, whether you stay silent or say some words, is conditioned by birth and death. Before you can realize that which is without rising and falling, that which cannot be categorized by having and not having, gaining and losing, you must practice very, very hard. Why is practice hard? Because it takes away what you depend on the most, what you take for granted every moment. Everything that you have ever known about yourself, all of your tricks and treats for survival must be let go. This is worse than a person with broken legs learning how to walk again through physical therapy. Most people just give up, frustrated with being bound to a wheelchair. You must make the great sacrifice of offering yourself, disciplining your will, being patient with disappointments, being diligent and never giving up, focusing your mind heart on each task. And most important, you must have the wisdom in knowing that from the beginning, from knowing that in the beginning you are able to walk. You just need to relearn how to do it. These six prerequisites are called the six perfections or paramitas. The last is important. It is the correct view that you are originally from the beginning able to, that you are originally from the beginning able to walk just fine. All the temporary therapies are like crutches. You're not born with them. You use them as something to relinquish eventually once you regain your walking abilities. Wait just a minute for the clock to quit. Chan teaches that you were born perfect, even with your defects. Originally, nothing binds you. It is only when you shelter yourself in self self-grasping that you find yourself in a cave. Only then do you need a flashlight. If you discover that you're in the dark cave, then you need the brilliant and quiescent luminous flashlight of... Sorry, it's time to call my mother. Only then do you need a flashlight. If you discover that you're in the dark cave, then you need 
the brilliant and quiescent luminous flashlight of Buddha Dharma to shine on your life. The cave is all that you've ever known. You think that you've never been outside. So you refuse to let others convince you otherwise. Your resistance indeed runs deep. This is why practice is difficult. Yet all the masters have said, in the openness of a vast spacious sky, why do you give rise to vexations? The Buddha upon enlightenment said, all beings are fully endowed with all the virtues and wisdom of the Buddha. He did not say all beings except this person and that person. Please don't add your name to the list of exceptions. You live in broad daylight. There's no need for a flashlight to perceive the intimate workings of Yunnan. If you don't understand, then let the crutches and the flashlights or someone else's form of awakening help you walk the path. If you discover that you can stand up and walk suddenly, then wonderful. If not, then do it step by step. Take the gradual way, which involves strenuous training and practice. And practicing the six perfections, it involves successive failure, gaining and losing, having and not having. Masters of the past have exhausted their wits to come up with different kinds of crutches to help you walk. They try to sell spring water next to the spring because you think you're thirsty. They throw hooks in the stream because you think you're drowning. Please don't fall for the fish hooks in your life. Take up this expedient means and ask, this fish has no mouth. Who's taking the bait? Wow. Oh. <laughs> I don't lie. I really love corn. This sense, I thought I understand it after I got, after reading the, the comments. I realized, oh. <laughs> Well, is there anyone without a fuzzy brain who gets this? <laughs> it's all good. That's how I get it. And what came to mind, Kim, I'll just say this. Thank you so much for the post you put of the duck in the jar. That has repositioned my life since I read it. Every time I get vexed, I'm like, I'm the duck in the jar and I'm free. I'm free. So this was lovely too. That was from last week, mm -hmm. the story about the duck in the jar. And I wasn't there, so I yeah. appreciated you posting it. I'll read it now. <laughs> oh, I'll read it. 
So maybe this is similar to that, though. I mean, that that's kind of what I got out of it, that um, you're all you're already free. You're already enlightened. But you let everything else get in the way of that. And you think you're not. And so you wander around in the dark trying to figure out how to get enlightened. And, and, and also me, looking outward for right. the light to enlighten. Go on. Someone, were you saying something, Nelda? I, I was going to say, and for me, Stephanie, the, the, the falling into darkness and thinking I'm not and feeling I'm not is those lifelong patterns of triggering that throw mm -hmm. me back. Yeah. Right. It's our conditioning. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's the hook. The fish hook. That's the hook. <laughs> yeah. Google Goose comment the first line is this case is very clear. <laughs> A flashlight is useless in broad daylight. <laughs> a lit candle does not need to be lit. <laughs> and maybe we're the lit candle. I think so. You think so, Stephanie? Yeah, I do. Yeah. But we don't we don't realize it. We keep and forgetting. It, we keep forgetting. Yeah. And even, you know, sitting here talking about it, we can all agree that that's you know, that's what we're being taught, that we're already enlightened, we're already Buddhists. But we, I, don't see that. And so I have to take that gradual way of practicing diligently over a long, 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 long time. <laughs> I like how... Go on. Go ahead, Kim. No, you go. You go. No, I just liked how he said that even silence is not the right answer. You know, and thinking about the other monks in the flower sermon, that they were silent, and that wasn't the right answer, and words aren't the right answer. There is no answer. There's no answer. You're right, Steph. There's no answer. There's nothing to be answered. Yeah. So what I was going to say, Stephanie, you, well, not you, all, everyone, everyone in creation, as I was listening to you talk, what came to mind is, oh my gosh, Stephanie, if you could just see yourself as I and others see you. And then I realized if we could all just see ourselves as others see us and as we truly are, we would just, we'd drop everything. It would just all, the scales would just fall away. Wouldn't that be lovely? And I think if, our friends see us the way we are and still like us. Even more. <laughs> you know, like we, don't, we don't see ourselves like that. We are so, see ourselves in terms of our failings and all that we could be and all that stuff. But 
people looking at us. Um, just see what we are. I'm, I'm trying to find a, uh, I'll have to, I don't know where, where it is. I'll have to um, look it up maybe and send it to you. It's a, I think it's a Hafiz poem. I don't think it's Rumi um, about where Hafiz is talking about, you know, something along the lines of, you keep, you know, saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. While, you know, people are just standing in line waiting to crown you, but you can't see that because you keep saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was a really neat, uh, neat poem. Anyone else want to say anything? Isn't that like we add our name into the sentence? All beings except me cannot have the virtue and wisdom of the Buddha. <laughs> Nancy, thank you for that. Because as you said it, I'm like, well, surely this can't be what Buddha feels like. <laughs> but, it is. but it is, I guess. In, in moments, in the clear moments. Yeah. Oh, I found the poem, guys. Can I read it to you? Sure. It's called Move On to Your Glory. When can you, when, what, what can you see of existence's attempt to honor you when you keep turning back to a time where some event you seem to take part in may cause you to lower your head and whisper again, I am sorry. We are waiting for you to arrive at your own coronation but you really can't accept the crown with any regrets in your past. Where does that then leave you in line for the throne? What can you see of every object's attempt to pay homage to you because of your divine lineage? If you are stuck in any kind of confessional, all happenings needed to be. Accept that, my dear Ask for any forgiveness one more time if you must. Ask for forgiveness one more time if you must. Then move on to your glory and sublime reign. Mm. Isn't that sweet? And it's um, kind of like all my ancient karma, isn't it? Yeah. All, all yeah. my ancient twisted. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I sent it to my daughter-in-law. That's why I had it. I knew I had it in there somewhere for her. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I need to call my mom and I'm exhausted. <laughs> well, say hi to her for us. <laughs> yeah, I will. I wish I, wish I was going to be talking to Louie so I could say hi to Louie for you. I miss that little guy so much. <laughs> I'll see you guys next Monday. All right. Thank All right. you. Bye. Bye, everyone.